Hello, hello, awesome people, and welcome to Authors Chat with Allison, where I will be interviewing inspiring authors and upcoming authors about their book, their brand, and their business. Today, I have with me on the line Jennifer Foxworthy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Woo woo. Thank you, Allison. It's an honor to be here on your podcast. You are so welcome. Please introduce yourself to our listening audience. Oh, my goodness. Uh, where do I begin? My name is Jennifer Foxworthy. I'm a dual entrepreneur of two businesses. Uh, my for-profit is Inspirationally Speaking, LLC, where I'm a motivational speaker and published author of uh, Tomorrow My Sunshine Will Come, Memoirs of Women Who Survived Domestic Violence. And then I'm also the founder and CEO of a nonprofit 501c3 organization called Unstoppable You Ministries, where we provide emergency services, public education and training, and supportive resources to communities throughout the country, but specifically to individuals and families dealing with domestic violence, human trafficking, and homelessness. I'm a wife of an amazing husband for 14 years and a mom of an awesome 10-year-old and a lover of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. So you have a um, book that's out. What is the title of your book? And tell us what your book is about. So the title of my book is called Tomorrow My Sunshine Will Come, Memoirs of Women Who Survived Domestic Violence, and it or it's a um, nonfiction. So the book was supposed to be just of my story. I experienced service member on service member when I was active duty Navy. And one of the titles is I'm a retired Navy veteran. I spent 21.7 years in uh, serving our armed forces. And I found myself in a five and a half year abusive relationship. But before that, very poor relationships. Once I got out of that uh, relationship and realized that I wasn't alone, I wanted to tell my testimony. And as I was speaking, you know, sharing that I was writing this book, Tomorrow My Sunshine Will Come, I had several other women that I was stationed with were new per- and knew personally who said me too. And I'm like, what? And then I just reached out to them and asked if they would like to share their story with me. So Tomorrow My Sunshine Will Come is not an anthology. It's uh, these ladies courageously shared their story with me, and then I took it and weaved it into, um, you know, a third person sharing their story for them. And many of them were sharing their story for the very first time. So that was an honor to help start their healing process. Thank you for sharing that. So who do you think would be your um, ideal target audience and why? I believe the ideal target audience is a man or a woman, um, more so women, who are in currently an abusive relationship or who just got out but still dealing with the guilt and the shame. Um, I also believe the secondary are family members and friends because they oftentimes have questions and they don't understand 
How can someone find themselves in an abusive relationship and why don't they leave? So here, Tomorrow My Sunshine Will Come has six true stories that share the origin that most times is something that happens deep in a uh, person's childhood that shapes how they see themselves and the world around them. So family members would be secondary. And then also, uh, thirdly, um, like advocates, social workers. So I have uh, attorneys that prosecute um, domestic violence cases who have purchased my book. I have domestic violence advocates uh, in armed forces as well as civilian um, therapists that use my book to help their clients as well. So basically anybody, but more so for the victim, survivor, and then so on. Okay. So generally, what would you say or what inspired you to want to write this book? What inspired me, Allison, to write this book was to know that I wasn't alone. When I found out the statistics that one in four women, well, at the time, um, the one in four women, and at that time it was one in ten men, now it's one in seven men, will be in a severe physical abusive relationship in their lifetime. I was like, oh, my goodness, you mean to tell me I'm not the only one? Because oftentimes you, you feel like you're in this bubble and that nobody understands. And being in an abusive relationship, whether it's physical or verbal, emotional, what have you, I thought I must be the craziest person walking the face of the earth and weak and dumb and all this other stuff. But I'm like, well, that can't be because I'm like G.I. Jane. I'm flying combat missions and wars. I'm fixing electronics and airplanes. I'm serving our country. But unfortunately, domestic violence is that dirty little secret that no one wants to talk about. So that is what inspired me is to rip the the veil off of the secrecy of domestic violence. And, you know, I think the more, um, you know, people continue to share it or to share mm-hmm. their story, the more people will be healed and they won't be afraid um, to speak up. Absolutely. And, and that was one of the things when I um, uh, spoke with you and, um, you know, heard uh, parts of your story, you know, and definitely sometimes people in domestic violence um, feel that they are alone or that they're the only one that's going through it. But I also shared something um, with my – I have two beautiful uh, queens, and I mm-hmm. often share this with them because of, you know, where I work at is mm-hmm. that domestic violence doesn't always start with someone putting their hands on you. It's verbally, and um, they kind of make you feel, he or she, um, kind of make you feel, you know, like you're unworthy or this, you know, I'm doing this because you did something, and this is the only way I knew how to react. But a lot of times it starts just by words that can put a mm-hmm. person in fear. Um, do you believe that? Absolutely. Um, that's why it was so hard for me to identify the patterns because the the boyfriend, the former boyfriend, was like verbally abusive or unkind to my friends by making fun of their physique um, and then saying unkind words to me. 
it was six months into the relationship where the first physical altercation came from, where my menstrual cycle was late and we were dating each other exclusively. And so I figured as two adults, I'll let him know the possibility, not saying I'm confirming that I'm pregnant, but the possibility. And without warning, he hauled off and punched me in my stomach. Now, I praise God that I wasn't pregnant at that time, but the audacity for him to do that, um, obviously I've never forgotten it and kept that in my mind. But then I didn't even realize that once we had makeup sex and and the baby I'm sorry is I'll never do it again, that I completed the three-phase cycle of domestic violence. So I think there's a we need to educate and empower people of what it is, what it looks like, the resources available. Um, And I'll share this with you briefly, that our armed forces, we carry the same baggage that everyone else has. But when you're serving in a male-dominated industry, and then like myself, I was in a very niche or elite group, you can't, as a woman, it's frowned upon, you know, you can't show no weakness. You're already in an industry where men don't want you there. And the low self-esteem that I carried with me from childhood into adulthood, that low self-esteem was the pathway to self-destructive behaviors. And you said something that stood out to me because I'm not going to say I'm not familiar, but I'm really not familiar with you said the three cycle. Um, Would you like to share those? Yes. So domestic violence, there's three cycles, or there's a three-phase cycle. There's the tension where maybe the abuser has a bad day at work. Then the next phase is the full-on Uh, abuse, say throwing hot food at the victim or the punching or whatever the form of abuse is. It it could be multiple. Then it's as the victim is laying in a puddle of blood or crying, sobbing, scared, then the abuser is, I'm so sorry. Why did you make me do this? I didn't want to do this. I'm sorry. You know, I'll never do it again. And the kissing and the cuddling and sometimes that. And so the next phase, the third phase is the honeymoon phase where you end up having makeup sex and everything seems perfect and they bring flowers the next day and they're very affectionate. So that's the three-phase cycle of domestic violence. Thank you for sharing that. So how long did it actually take you um, to write the book, you know, compile it and get it all together? It would, have took, it would have taken me a shorter period of time, but dealing with five other ladies and working many in telling their, sharing their story with me, uh, it was a delicate process because it was, they were reliving especially some horrible childhood memories. So it actually took a year from beginning to end to write and publish. Okay. So ultimately, 
What do you want readers to gain from reading your book? If you could name three things. I would want readers to have a better understanding of what domestic violence is and that no one is immune. Here you have six ladies with different, you know, five of the six we served in the military. Um, The other was a a civilian, but different culture, upbringings, uh, socioeconomic, uh, white, black, so skin color, money, none of that mattered when we dealt with uh, abuse. So the face of domestic violence is basically faceless. I would also share, I would want the reader to know what the red signs are. And then third, if they are experiencing it, that they are not alone, that to not be trapped in their guilt and shame. Yes, yes. Those are three good points. And I definitely love that you said I'm faceless. You know, I, yes. mm, that really stood out to me because there is no color or uh, gender behind it. Domestic violence is just what it is. Um, Absolutely. Yes. Um, do you feel, well, before I say this, um, because I guess I, <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, you know, um, the show was going to go this way. You know how you kind of plan for how the show is going to go? <laughs> but, um <laughs> When you said um, faceless, it it made me think about when I was about, I don't know, 14 or 15 growing up, and um, I'm the oldest uh, grandchild, the oldest daughter to my mom, the oldest grandchild out of seven, eight grandkids. And I remember my cousin um, had a boyfriend. And I remember, but back then, you know, you didn't know what that was. You didn't know what was going Mm -hmm. on. And we were Mm -hmm. all just walking kind of in a crowd, And I don't know what she said to her boyfriend, but whatever she said, the young man, well, he wasn't a man, he turned around and um, punched her. So Mm. I said, listen, and I said, you punch him back, and then I'll take care of the rest. And she kept saying, no, no. I said, you hit him back, and I'll take care of the rest, because no man puts their hand on a woman. But, you know, I, that was just the boldness in me, and maybe, you know, because that's how my mom talks. <laughs> um, I did not know what any of that was, but I didn't understand why she didn't want, you know, all of us mm-hmm. to kind of jump on him like we really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But, again, I believe it started with, it probably started way before I knew it, and then as we're walking, they made up. So I'm assuming mm. that it was that phase, that three-part phase yes. that you were talking about that I really wasn't aware of. And I know I went somewhere else, but it, every time I, um, you know, think about that day, okay, let me go on. <laughs> I understand. You know, that's, it's deep. It's, it's deeper yes. than what people think. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it truly is. And we don't educate our young boys and girls enough, Allison. When I, I, the, love, the love tap becomes a love punch. So in a child, you have, you know, 
on the playground or in in a classroom setting and say a little boy, he'll pull the young girl's hair or he'll slap her books out of her hands and then she's crying. And then the little girl, she'll go and tell her parent or guardian or teacher and they're like, oh, baby, that's okay. That was just a love tap. That means he likes you. Well, what we just told that little girl is Mm -hmm. that violence is the way to show that someone loves you and to accept it. Now we have altered that child's development, that emotional and mental development of what love truly is. So when we make excuses and then for that little boy or girl who does that negative behavior, we have now just excused it instead of holding them responsible and saying there's consequences for your violent or negative behaviors. So when we excuse it early on in life, we are mm-hmm. setting up that those two children. And unfortunately, many homes are, are riddled in dysfunction. I'm going to just keep it real. And that dysfunction bleeds into violence and everything. So when you have a child growing, living in that violence, they will grow up to be one of four things. They'll either grow up to be the abuser, the victim, both, or commitment phobic. Commitment phobic is the person they're afraid of which one they're going to be. Are they going to be like their mother? They're going to be like their father. Mm-hmm. And so when a relationship is hot and heavy, normally after six months, they're calling it off. And so it's hard for them to stay in a long-term relationship. These are the dynamics of what trauma and domestic violence can do from childhood into adulthood. So we have to stop making excuses. We have to have additional resources. We need to talk about it. Uh, For me, being in the military, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We would have somebody come and give training, but the way they delivered the training, it was as if the resources were for the military spouse. So a person like myself, an active duty service member, number one, where am I going to find the time to go to the office to seek resources? Number two, I was in a, a professional war because I was in such an elite group as a naval air crewman, as an African-American and as a woman, I stood out. Matter of fact, I was the first in three different Navy squadrons because of my skin tone and my gender. So when you're facing those uphill battles and someone is abusing you in various ways that it's hard to identify and this person professes that they love you, it's really hard to navigate who to trust and what resources, you know, uh, I can, you know, uh, glean from or or use. And so, it, so from the military perspective, it just that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, so it really makes it tough to combat uh 
I can identify the enemy in the military, you know, but when the enemy is someone who professes they love me, it makes it tough to identify. And um, I don't want us to go too far out, but I was just thinking about the young lady um, in the news, the uh, young lady um, that was in the service. And, in Texas? Um, yes. Um, and so, you know, that, that took my heart right there because, you know, like how you're saying, in the service, in the, in the, um, the Navy, um, I know she was in the Army, I believe, but mm-hmm. just the whole dynamic of how all of that played out, you know. Um, okay, we're we going to keep trying to go on because I'm going to tell you <laughs> where um, I work at, and I won't mention it, but where I work at um, – I made sure that when we had our domestic violence um, programs that um, I was there, I presented, and I, um, you know, just kind of was in the middle mingling and making sure that um, they knew that our office cared. And Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be a part of that for so many reasons. So. Um, it, it's always dear to my heart, and then, like I said, with me having two um, beautiful daughters, sister, family, mm-hmm. you know, I want to um, make sure that I get the word out and that they say something, you know. Um, so um, I thank you. Another question I have for you is, do you believe that it was your faith that inspired you to write your story and share your story? I believe so. I believe so. Um, as you know, there's no testimony without a test, and that God can take our mess and turn it into a message. Uh, I just felt I could be silent no longer. Whether mm-hmm. nobody read the book or not, I was going to speak my truth. And in doing so, it allowed me to uh, continue to heal and help others uh, heal as well. Because not only do we each uh, share our story, especially myself, but then I talk about the journey of healing, which is so critical. And I had discovered a, like a three-step process or a three-phase journey to healing, which is acknowledging what I experienced, restoring my broken soul, and ultimately forgiving myself and others to include the the former boyfriend. Yes, yes, most definitely. If you could share with the listening audience three things that you are most thankful for, what would that be? I am thankful for my husband, uh, who loves me unconditionally. Uh, we celebrated 14 years of um, marriage, still going strong. There is peace, joy, and love in our home, and our son gets to witness that on a daily basis. So that is extremely important to me, and I'm thankful for. Um, I tell people I have to deal with a lot of dumb asses to get to my Boaz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm thankful for my husband. 
I'm thankful for the opportunity that I am a mother and I get to influence the next generation because as much as I want to keep my son to myself, I'm raising someone's father, someone's boyfriend, someone's husband. So if I'm not right and whole and moving in the right direction, it's going to bleed into his life. And that's why it's so important for survivors to really work on themselves. And then I'm grateful to be able to use my voice to help others find theirs. Thank you. Thank you for that. So share with the listening audience any upcoming um, engagements you might have. Let's see here. (laughs) I, on, oh, good gracious, on June 1st, I'm speaking for Hurricane. It's a nonprofit organization out in California. They support female student athletes in having real conversations centered around healthy boundaries, authenticity, resiliency, and I'm actually giving the uh, talk on healthy boundaries. Then on June 12th, under my nonprofit organization, Unstoppable You Ministries, I'm hosting the hybrid of Unstoppable You Conference. That's June 12th. So I would love for your listeners to support that and the ticket they can get on Eventbrite. And, again, that can be in person if they're in the Maryland area or virtually, and that's wherever the comfort of their home. On June 17th, I am speaking to the York Shoreham, their HR organization, And I know that I have other topics as the months go, but that is the immediate. Oh, um, actually, tomorrow it's going. Uh, I'm speaking to the American Nurses Association um, to their virtual um, audience. So that's tomorrow, May 27th. And oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's so many different things. Um, I'm giving the commencement speech on Friday to Keystone Christian Academy to their graduate, uh, and that's in York, Pennsylvania. So that's what's going on in the immediate future in the month of May and June. Wow, that is so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Look, I was going to say, wow, you wear a lot of hats. You have a lot going on. (laughs) I do. <laughs> so um, if our listening audience wanted to get in touch with you, um, how would you like for them to get in touch with you? I would love for them to reach out to me on social media. That is the quickest and the easiest way, whether it's LinkedIn. They can search for Jennifer C. Foxworthy or Jennifer Foxworthy. They can find me on Facebook the same way. My maiden name is Dowry. But if they search Jennifer Foxworthy, they'll see my photo, know that it's me. I am on Twitter, but I don't use it that often. I'm also on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is at inspirationallyspeaking, LLC. 
and which that's all one word. So again, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I also have a YouTube channel for Inspirationally Speaking LLC, and then also the same for Unstoppable Human Ministries. And the website is www.inspirationallyspeaking.com. Thank you so much for sharing those. Now, um, as we get ready to close out, share with our listening audience some words of wisdom. The words of wisdom that I would share with your audience is a quote that I have, and it's, make the internal investment today so that your legacy won't be bankrupt tomorrow. Meaning, we always have to take time to work on ourselves. The time that we invest today, whether through self-care, self-awareness, whatever that looks like, is going to help our legacy, help our overall life. And that way, we can um, provide a better future for ourselves and others and and, um, just be to make that impact, to make a huge difference. So that's what that investment is, advocating for ourselves, making ourselves a priority. And that's what I want your listeners to, to know, to do, to understand. Make themselves a priority to better themselves, to improve on themselves so that their legacy will be a blueprint for others to be inspired by. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So on behalf of Gospel Time Machine, and AGD Publishing, we here at Authors Chat with Allison would like to thank you for taking time out to spend your day with us, wishing you much success and blessings on your journey. Peace, Allison.